0: my frustration with the Packers and maybe Rogers' frustration too it's not necessarily tied to one event but it's simply the entire last 10 years where we're just left thinking like figure it out
1: this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports Packers Brewers Badgers Bucks the Wisco Sports Show is on the air here's your host Grant Bills
0: The show was great, wasn't it? We had a blast. We laughed. We cried. We took some calls. My dad was a part of the show. It was just, it was too much fun. It was perfect. It was wholesome. A wholesome two hours yesterday. And I'm not saying that tonight's show isn't going to be as good. It is. Rich and compelling from start to finish. It will be. We're going to have great guests. We're going to talk about a multitude of topics. Different teams. Different storylines. Yes, tonight's going to be great. But off the top, a caveat. Please, okay. I am not in a mood to to mess around today. Okay, I'm not. I'm not in the mood. To, 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 I'm just. I'm not having it today. Okay, we're gonna talk about the Bucks. We're gonna talk about the Packers. Yes, and we're gonna talk to some guests, and I'd love to hear from you as well. Just a warning off the top. I I I am. I, I got a hair. Hair trigger. I got a finger on the trigger today, okay? So let's all be cool. Let's not get on each other's case, and we'll be fine. All right? Deal or deal? Not not in a mood to mess around today, but quite the day. All right, so let's get through these next two hours, talk about our topics. We'll get in, we'll get out, and we can go about our, our night. How does that sound? Deal? Deal. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I don't know if I slept like crap last night or what. Maybe it's the Milwaukee Bucks. They, they finally reached the point where they sucked just the right amount of life out of my body to where I'm actually starting to feel it, right? Because they've been sucking life out of my body for the last three years. And if you're a Bucks fan, I mean, they've been they've been sucking life out of you basically your entire life, right? Going back to the 80s, the 90s, the 2001, right? The Brandon Jennings, like this this team. They've been sucking the life out of us for years. And, and maybe... I, I finally reached a, a certain threshold today where it's like the Bucks took just enough of my soul from me, where I'm actually physically starting to feel it today, or maybe I just slept like dump and I, I don't know, one of those two things, but probably a combination of both. So I'm just I'm 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 not looking to mess around tonight. Okay, I'm in no I'm in no mood for games. Let's put it that way. We are gonna have a great show though. Are you kidding me? I'd never let that flow over into my work life. I'm a I'm a professional, and I think I said the same I think I said the same thing to start the show, yesterday. We're going to start with the Bucks. do about a half hour on the NBA. David Gasper reviewing the brew will join us at 4.35 to talk brewers. Some, uh, uh, lots of news this afternoon. Not some, but lots of news. They're upping the capacity at Miller Park. Ooh, I did it. American Family Field. Uh, tailgating is going to become looser, more relaxed. The racing sausages are going to be back racing in the park, which I, I some things I don't really get how the pandemic affects like I, I don't understand why the racing sausages couldn't be in American Family Field in the first place, but thank God the National Nightmare is over. They will be back. So the Brewers announcing a bunch of things, including Corbin Burns. It sounds like he's going to be back on Thursday. It's expected. It's probable. I guess nothing is set in stone, but Craig Council all but saying, yeah, he's he's going to be our guy on Thursday. So the Brewers made some announcements today. We'll talk about those announcements and just talk about the state of the team. Brewers were idle last night, so I think it's a good time to kind of just take a look around and... And assess things. We'll do that with David Gasper coming up at 435. I do want to talk a little bit of Packers as well. Uh, I I kept seeing this question being peddled around on social media yesterday. And I I don't find it particularly compelling. But I guess a lot of Packers fans do. So we're going to handle that question at 535. And there's no Aaron Rodgers news today. So I actually want to address something that was said yesterday on NFL Network. Because I just, I don't get it. We'll do that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Your opinions, takes, calls, arguments... Uh, just yells if that's what you want to do. 608 796 2558 on the talk and text line. Twitter at Wisco Grant. We had a good follower push yesterday. I appreciate that. That was a nice little shot in the arm. I won't ask for it again, but I always mention my handle just in case you want to follow, be a part of the show. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. That's where you can find me if you waste away your time on Twitter like I do. Let's start with the Bucks. They. They were playing such an insignificant game last night against such an insignificant opponent that I, I I made a mistake on the show yesterday. I mistakenly said they were playing the Rockets, and that was wrong. And I think I corrected myself later on in the show. I think Eric on Interstate 90 called in, wanted to talk about the Bucs, and I was like, wait, who do they play tonight? So I looked it up. It wasn't the Rockets. It was the Spurs. But last night was so insignificant in terms of opponent, terms of seeding. Last night's game was so puny and small and easily winnable for the Bucs, I barely paid it any mind on the show yesterday to the point where I forgot who they were playing. The Spurs, not the Rockets. The Spurs are bad. The Rockets are really bad. I wasn't even in my brain on yesterday's show because I just did pencil in a win. I thought they'd rest guys and still win. But no, they lose 146 to 125, including giving up 87 points in the first half. To the Spurs. Okay. I have I have some some things to say about the Bucks and the NBA in a grand sense. And look, I, I understand that the NBA, compared to Major League Baseball and compared to the NFL, they're different. Okay? They're, all of our professional sports are different. We should talk about them differently. We should watch them differently, cover them differently. They're different sports entirely. They're scheduled differently. They're played in different times of the year. Everything is different. Okay? I get that, and I think a lot of people in the media—I won't name names—but maybe you can, maybe you can read what I'm saying here. I think a lot of people in the media who hate on the NBA for whatever reason hate on it because it's not the NFL, right? The game's ours and is exciting. There's not as much, uh, not as much uh, urgency week to week. Players rest, and superstars have a lot of control. Not the case in the NFL, and I think a lot of people in the media get really rationally mad about the NBA and like to bring up how bad the ratings are even though I don't, I don't when did we start doing that when did we start caring about ratings there are some in the media who hate the NBA because it's not the NFL it's not Major League Baseball it's not hockey it's its own different thing and it's just not for them and that's fine if the NBA is not for you cool but that's not good enough for some people some of those people like to try to ruin it for everyone else that's not what I'm doing here okay I like the NBA for the NBA, and I understand that it will never be the NFL. It'll never be hockey or baseball. It's its own thing, right? The superstars are in charge. They have a ton of power. They're, they're very mobile. They can move from one team to another. If they say, I want to be traded and trade me here, well, then they're there. The James Harden trade is a great example. The schedule is longer, which means some teams on some given nights might not be playing all their guys because they want to stay healthy. And not every game is life and death, so teams might throw in the towel a little bit. For example, the Bucks gave up 87 points in the first half last night. And in the NBA, unlike the NFL, you have teams that are tanking. You have teams that are specifically rolling out rosters and game plans designed to lose. And in the NFL, there are teams that are playing for a draft pick. Cincinnati Bengals, typically in that conversation, the Browns were there for years. But their players aren't actively going out there and trying to tank. That, that doesn't, really, doesn't really happen in football. In basketball, you bet. It's a very different league. It's a very different sport. So keep that in mind when I say what I'm about to say. I do have good perspective, and I understand that the Bucs and the NBA will never be the same as the Packers in the NFL. I get that. I understand that. But the NBA and the Bucks, I, 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 I've I about had it. Last night was close to my Jake Kumaro incident, if we're relating this to Rodgers. Like well, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Is getting rid of my boy Jake kumro The the night that the NBA and my Milwaukee Bucks pushed me over the edge might have been last night when the Bucks lost to the Spurs, a team that is vastly inferior, and they j- they just got steamrolled. They just got killed. They gave up a, a franchise high in points to the Spurs in the first half, a Spurs franchise high. I don't know about the Bucks. I'd be crazy to think of of them allowing more than eighty seven points and a half, but suppose we'd have to go back and look through history. Spurs are the 10 seed. They're not any good at all. And, and the Bucs last night, it's like they, they weren't even in that game from the jump. It was over after the first quarter. This time of the year is the absolute worst. Because fans of teams like Milwaukee, teams that are the first, second, third, fourth seed, teams that have a shot to make the Eastern Conference Finals are better. Fans of teams like the Bucs, we look for every reason in the world, to explain why losing is a good thing. Do you get what I mean? We look for every reason to downplay an ugly loss. We look for every reason to explain away a bad defensive performance. A game that clearly the players weren't invested, they weren't involved, they weren't locked in. And we do the work for the team by saying, well, it's the end of the year, right? They can flip the switch when they get to the postseason. They'll start trying when the games actually matter. What? Stop, 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 stop. Why are we making excuses for a Bucks team that's jostling for seeding, needs to be playing their best ball at the right time with momentum, a healthy Bucks team, mind you? Why, why, why are we turning a twenty-point loss, a twenty-one-point loss, into a, a positive? And yet, that's what fans do. It's what we did last year, right in the bubble, when they were getting run off the court by Brooklyn, who was without everybody and when teams were just shooting the lights out we're like well they'll they'll get it together when the games matter D- do we know that to be true in 2020 in the bubble that proved not to be true right there's no reason that the bucks should be giving up 150 to the spurs don't rationalize it don't try to wish it away don't try to explain it and i've downplayed my fair share of bucks losses this year in january or in february yes it's mid may and yes the dynamic that remains from last year in the bubble certainly affects the way we look at this because in the bubble the bucks drug their feet all the way in they were losing games left and right in the play in games and in the ramp up period they were losing games left and right and the whole time we said they'll be fine they'll be fine they'll flip the switch they'll start trying harder they'll play with more energy and then they didn't and they got ran off the floor by the heat in the second round as a one seed as a really really good one seed that ran the league for the entire year they were swept off the floor by the Heat. Giannis gets hurt. Yeah, but we all knew who that, that series was going. We, we knew it. We saw it. It was obvious, right? That impacts the way we look at this Bucks team now. And it, it drives me nuts to see people on social media or to see, you know, texters and callers who are like, well, they'll, they'll get it going. It's fine. Well, maybe it won't be. I, I just want fans to stop doing the mental gymnastics to explain why a loss is actually a good thing here. Because I'm, I'm kind of over that at this point in the season, right? I, I saw a tweet last night that perfectly encapsulates how I feel. This tweet gets me. Like, I want to take this tweet on a date. If I could find a young lady that, that gets me like this tweet does, buy, I'd buy her dinner, buy her flowers, give her, give her the treatment, you know? I really would. This tweet gets me. Ty Windish, the Eurostep podcast, does podcasting for Blue Wire, this is what he tweeted and it just it speaks to my soul. He says, somebody tell me the logic of the Bucks not caring about these last few games. It sounds like BS to explain bad results to me. It's one thing if they were resting guys, but they aren't and they're getting their butts kicked. He didn't say butts but I'll censor it. This is a family show. They should care about that. Like who watched the Bucks act like they could just turn around and or excuse me, who watched the Bucs act like they could just turn things around when they got into the bubble before running into a serious team that sent them home in five games? Who seriously thinks it's a good idea to try this again and do this again and use the same arguments and the same explanations? I completely completely agree with this. It is BS to explain away bad results. In January, that's one thing. The Bucs didn't rest anyone. Giannis played 30 minutes. Chris Middleton played 32. Drew Holiday played 31. They were resting, guys. PJ Tucker who is like ready to fade away. He's ready to collapse and pass on. He played 21 minutes last night. The Bucks played basically their full lineup. No, not basically. They did play their full lineup. And they got ran off the floor by the Spurs. And I get it you lose games, but we saw this last year. And it it just bothers me when Bucks fans like well actually were were using the regular season to experiment. No they weren't. They they used the regular season in the case last night. To give up like a million made three-pointers. They didn't use last night for anything. And I like I you might be wondering where this is coming from. I don't talk about bucks for three days and then I come on here and go scorched earth. That, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to sound dramatic. But they gave up <laughs> my God. They gave up 17 of 29 three-point shots. That's exactly what happened in the bubble last year. And Coach Bud talked about it after the game. Right? I think it was Eric Name or Zora Stevenson who asked him. Like, hey, at what point, Bud, do you think maybe you need to change what you're doing to try to defend the three-point shot? This is what Bud said.
2: They got comfortable at the three-point line. They, they, um, you know, quite a few pull-ups. You know, just they, they made a ton of shots. So maybe we got to get into them, make them uncomfortable, make them drive it, uh, find other people, play against our bigs. Um, and to some degree, you know, they, they were phenomenal. You know, it's some point, you know, I guess we got to do something. Uh, but you know, some some, some point, teams uh, just right now letting it fly, uh, playing smaller. You know, they just they they played really well. They shot it well from both the three point line and the mid range.
0: I just that's painful to listen to. And he's like, "Well, I guess maybe at some point we could do something." I, I don't I don't know, Coach Bud. What do you think? What do What do you think? You think so? I'm not saying the coach Bud should be fired. I'm not saying the Bucks are frauds and they're going to get beat in the first round. What I'm saying is, last night's game represents a serious issue, and it's a serious issue. We saw in the bubble last year. We've seen it at times this year. And don't explain it away. Well, they're they're not focused on getting the one seed. Like, you're, you're you're telling me, that, yeah, you're exactly right. They are not focused on the one seed. And and like we have this conversation every year at this time. Where's about, well, Can they flip the switch? Can they not flip the switch? What a crock of dump. Th- that is one of the biggest lies in all of sports. And I know I use this superlative a lot. I'm a dramatic person. I'm sorry. It's such a lie. Teams can't just flip a switch and become something that they're not or change into a different version of themselves. A team simply doesn't become a different team just because the calendar says so. There are some exceptions. I think you always give the defending champs the benefit of the doubt. The Bucks are not. Any team with LeBron... I will give the benefit of the doubt. The Bucs are not that team. Brooklyn is a little bit of an interesting case just because they have such star power at the top of their lineup and they're getting James Harden back. Okay, that would change a team. Bucks are dead last in defensive rating over the last three games. That's not a switch to be flipped, right? And as I mentioned two weeks ago, or however long ago that was, last time we talked to Brian Sampson, Bucks film room, I said, Brian, some rando is always going off against the Bucks for three. Last night, it wasn't just one rando. It was two. Patty Mills shot six nine from three. Rudy Gay shot three of six. It's, it's never the guy you expect. They actually do a good job on the guy you expect. It's literally everyone else who will just start raining threes. And yeah, Patty Mills and Rudy Gay both shot above their, their, their weight class last night. But when you give them confidence and you leave them open, play after play after play, well, then they start feeling themselves. And you know what? It's actually not out of the realm of a possibility for a player to do that every night, to start feeling himself and to just shoot the lights out. That's typically what happens. Ugh. I'm not that mad. This game doesn't mean that the Bucks are going to get swept out of the first round. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this isn't nothing. This isn't the Bucks just like experimenting in the regular season. And I don't want to rationalize it. And I don't want to explain it away as nothing. Cause that's what we did last year. And we were proven very, very wrong in that Miami series. Let's take a break. Look at the rest of the playoff picture. I want to talk about the Celtics for a minute, the Sixers, and the Nets, and then of course the Bucks will weave them through the entire conversation. Brewers and David Gasper coming up at 435. More of the Wisco Sports Show after that.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Sports show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter, Wisco Grant. The talk and text line 608-796-2558. I said to start the show, I'm not in a mood to mess around today. I just, I'm not angry. But like just the little things are setting me off today. Right before the show started, and I didn't share it because I didn't think it mattered at the time. At least for this show, it, it matters in the grand scheme of things, but not for this show. John Heyman, who is a baseball insider for the MLB Network, tweeted 42 minutes ago. Yankees have five coaches with COVID. All had been vaccinated. Word is. Most asymptomatic. No players known to have COVID at this point. Game is up in the air tonight. Okay, so there's a COVID outbreak. Seeing it's the week where we're just ripping on journalists for being really irresponsible with how they go about work, you can't say that all coaches had been vaccinated. Word is. No, you can't. You That's something you better not be wrong about if you're going to report it. And then, 35 minutes later, Heyman tweets again. And here's the kicker. To clarify, he says, only one Yankees coach is confirmed positive. Others are being tested, retested. What is journalism anymore? I, like, it's one thing to do Aaron Rodgers' contract, which is bad enough with Adam Schefter and the way he did that for all reasons we talked about. If you're reporting COVID and you're reporting on vaccinations, God, I just, ugh. I just, I just can't do it some days. This is one of these days. I, uh, well, I heard all five had been vaccinated, which I don't know for sure. Oh, also, it turns out there's only one positive. That's not a clarification. That's a correction because you were wrong. Delete your account. God, I hate I I, I, hate it. I hate the journalism business right now because there's a bunch of people ruin it for everyone else. Thank you, John Heyman, for that. That was great. Not related to anything we we're talking about, but made me upset. So I derailed the show for it as I do quite a bit. We're talking about the Bucks, uh, which I'm not thrilled about at the moment either. They lost to the Spurs last night. I, the, the one thing that's bothering me: one game never makes a season. So I'm not trying to make last night like it was the biggest deal in the world. But I see all these Bucks fans saying, "Well, they'll try. They'll try harder once the playoffs start. They'll get it going once the playoffs start." Stop! 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 Trying to rationalize this game away and stop! 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 Same thing. They were discarded easily by a team that was seated well beneath them. Okay? Now, the rest of the regular season really isn't that meaningful for Milwaukee uh, because the standings are just about locked into place. Now, it didn't have to be that way because the Bucks could have fought for the one seed, the two seed, uh, but they decided to mess around and lose games to the Warriors that they had no business losing to and peeing away a chance uh, to, to beat the Hornets by resting all five of their starters and their entire bench at home. Like, I, I don't know what the Bucks have been doing. It didn't have to be this way. They could have had a shot at the one or the two. Now they're four games back from the one, one game back from the two, which is substantial. It didn't have to be this way, but they messed around and they wasted all this time. And now the rest of the regular season is basically a wash. So you think, okay, rest your guys. If you lose, you lose. And then Coach Bud thought last night, well, how about I play all my guys and we lose by 20? So I, I don't I don't know how I feel about the rest of the East right now. I, I figured we could like, let's start with the Celtics. I always know what to say about the Celtics. They slipped into the seven seed. Jalen Brown got hurt. They never had a chance in the first place. I noticed this on Sunday where everyone's agreeing with the Celtics. They lost to the Heat on Sunday. Everyone's saying like, oh, the Celtics just aren't that good, are they? Like, did you not get the memo? Literally every game we've watched them this year, we do this every time they're on TV. Everyone's like, wow, newsflash, the Celtics just aren't good. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't been good all year, ever. But I'm glad to see that we're making that realization. If the Bucks end up playing Boston in the playoffs, that's one team that I'm really not worried about at all. I, I think the Sixers are really, really good. And most of this season I believe that the Nets were in their own tier and no one else was there with them. I'm I'm kind of changing my tune on that. I'm becoming more partial to the Sixers. I, I'm more scared of the Sixers and I and I believe more in the Sixers and their ability to win the East. Maybe maybe more than I have at any point this season. And I didn't expect to feel this way. A lot of talking heads are going very, very anti Brooklyn Nets, uh, to be contrarian. Like I see Nick Wright doing this every day. The like, the Nets still can't play defense. Yeah, well, just shut up. You're missing the forest for the trees. Like, the Nets are really, really good, right? But a lot of people have just kind of turned into Nets heels because someone needs to. We need some sort of intrigue in the East. And Philly and Milwaukee aren't exactly, you know, dazzling storylines, as good a teams as they both are, right? The talk needs to be had about the Brooklyn Nets. Nick Wright, by the way, on Instagram the other day, basically admitted, yeah, I'm pushing for Chris Paul for MVP because nobody wants to talk about Denver. That's not going to get ratings. Chris Paul's going to get ratings. Okay, well. We know that, but maybe don't say it out loud. I think a lot of the narratives that have been crafted by opinion shows have been anti-Nets for the sake of entertainment. I, I think the Sixers are really good. And Joel Embiid is going to cut right through the Nets defense, just like Giannis does. They don't have an answer for either Giannis or Embiid. But Philly's bigger and stronger, and they got some guys who can defend. Ben Simmons, Matisse Thybulle, and they have shooters too. They just got, um, oh, what's his name? was it, Gary Clark? Not Gary Trent. I think it actually was Gary Clark. I got another shooter today. Sorry if I have the name wrong. This is another 3 and D guy. I, I think the Sixers could beat Brooklyn. And I don't think it would take crazy circumstances for it to happen. I'm not anti-Nets. I, I think this is the league, the NBA, that, that you can win a title off star power alone. It doesn't have to be cohesive. It, it doesn't really have to fit. Although I think the Nets do fit. They've dealt with a lot of injuries, which has made it tougher. I do think the Nets can win a title even without a great defense based on star power alone. The NBA is really the one league you can do that. The NFL, you can't, right? Like the the one year, two years ago that the Browns were like an all-star team and they were a hot mess because they didn't have the coaching. They didn't have the structure, right? There was that one year where Houston was really, really good when they got got Brock Osweiler and they brought in all these free agents like, man, it's an all-star team in Houston and they were terrible, right? In the NBA, you can... Win a title you can win at the highest level based on star power alone, even if it doesn't fit. We saw that with the Miami Heat. But I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of becoming a Sixers over the Nets guy. Not by a, w- a wide margin, but a little margin, a visible margin. I think uh, I'm starting to feel the Sixers a little bit. I-, I would not bet money that the Bucks make it past the Sixers or the Nets. I think they can, but I don't know. You see stuff last night. They just, they're addicted to giving up threes. That's a recipe to lose in the postseason, especially against... A team that can shoot the three, Brooklyn and Philly. I mean, Miami lit them up last year. Jay Crowder. Imagine what Joe Harris and Jeff Green, it'll be Jeff Green too. Jeff Green will make a couple dozen threes against the Bucks over the course of the series. Just watch, it's going to be the worst. Let's take a break. Let's talk about something a little bit more positive. The Brewers talk with our good buddy, recurring guest, David Gasper, reviewing the Brew, coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio
0: Network. AM. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Brewers were off last night, but they're back tonight. Figured we got to talk about the Brewers a little bit tonight. We'll take a break from bashing the Bucks. And Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. It's been a very bashful show. And I mean that as we've been bashing. Not that we're shy and we're bashful. We've been not bashful about our bashing of our te- of our teams. Oh, it's only 4.30. It's okay. It's okay. Show's going to be great. The show's going to be great the rest of the way. My name, Grant Bills. On Twitter, at Wisco Grant. More football talk, Packers talk in the second half of the show. Uh, right now, our good friend, recurring guest and contributor, David Gasper, reviewing the brew. Gasper, how have you been? Like last week's losing streak, uh, kind of sucked. It was a bummer, but we got our annual Mother's Day thrilling victory, so that was kind of a, a cherry on top of the last week.
1: Yeah, really kind of, really kind of helped out with the. Well, it was actually a really, really kind of rough week. You know, looking at the the Philly series and, and how those games went, and you know that six game losing streak wasn't really fun, but. You know, it's going to happen over the course of the season. And, you know, they, they came right back there at the end of the week. And, you know, it, it'll all even out. So they're, they're fine. And, and they seem to be getting healthier. So that, that's the important part.
0: Well, I think this Aaron Rodgers drama kind of saved my rear end. Because I think if all, all was normal on the Packers front, I would have started last week on Monday. I think I would have rolled out a take, mm-hmm. like, pound for pound, dollar for dollar. The Brewers are the best team in baseball. And I would have, like, passionately argued that on Monday. And then they went on to lose the next five. Next five games, so (laughs) I I think the Aaron Rodgers drama kind of helped cover up last week. I want to, I want to start with this big picture question. It's something I talked about yesterday, and it gets at last week: the Dodgers series in which the Brewers did very well, the Philly series they did poorly, and we look at those series very very differently. One was a train wreck, one was amazing, right? But all of those games are, are one run games; they're very close to it. And I've been saying that all one-run games, that they're, they're very similar. When you play close games like that, you leave the door open for luck to play a role, umpiring, for injuries. What do you think of that 10-game stretch or so where it felt like every single game was coming down to the wire? How, how do you look at those games and judge them?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at those games, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of luck involved. And, and also, I mean, the Brewers were down 15, 16 players for most of those uh, close one-run games. You know, they, they were down so many guys there in the Philly series, and uh, they were losing a bunch more there in the Dodgers series. And, you know, they kept on, like, winning a couple. And as, as we had kind of been saying at the time, it's like, you know, the, the culture that the Brewers have. And, you know, the the guys, the, the role players stepping up into a bigger role, you know, your Tyrone Taylors and uh, your Pablo Reyes's and your Billy McKinneys and guys like that stepping up into much bigger roles than were ever really imagined for them. And doing you know somewhat solid there in the in the meantime and and just as travis shaw had said you know just scoring just enough just what they need to win um and that's what was really kind of working there for them in the dodgers series and their luck kind of ran out a little bit there in the in the philly series they they got close they had a couple of late comebacks but they weren't quite able to get the tying run or the go-ahead run across and you know that's going to happen. It's like okay, maybe their luck has ran out. And then uh, starting with the with the Marlins series here, they're starting to get a little bit more healthier. You got Manny Pena back. You got Brett Anderson back, um, and and now um, you got Brent Suter back from the bereavement list. Yep. And you know they're they're continually getting more and more healthy. A couple more guys went on rehab assignments today. Um Corbin Burns it was announced he's going to be back later this week. Same with Omar Arvaez. So now they're getting closer to healthy, and, and then we can actually look at what this team could be like when it's fully 100%.
0: Even portions of this team that are healthy, right? You have Vogel back, McKinney. It, i I look twice at this lineup knowing Pablo Reyes is playing third and Travis Shaw is playing first. I, I found that odd. Craig Council must want to give Pablo Reyes some run, which, okay, that's fine. I This offense has struggled even the players who have been healthy, right? Avi Garcia has been through a rough patch, and Jackie Bradley Jr. has been quiet. When you watch this offense hit at-bat after at-bat after at-bat, and it just doesn't look good, what can this team do better offensively to score more runs without needing to get Christian Yelich back? Let's set that to the side for a second. Yes, Omar Narvaez coming back will be helpful, but some of these other hitters who've been he- you know healthy this whole time, what do they need to do better? How can this offense be better e- even without relying on other players getting healthy.
1: Yeah, I think the real key for, for them and really for, for everyone across baseball is just putting the ball in play, get, getting the bat on the ball, making the defense um, actually do something to get you out and, and not just um, dealing with, with so many strikeouts. But, I mean, that, that's really kind of been a problem across baseball. I mean, you look at uh, the entire league, strikeouts are way up everywhere. It's not just the Brewers. They're, they're not the only team that's been struggling to put the ball in play. Um, pitchers have just been dominant so far this season. Uh, MLB changed the baseball so it doesn't fly quite as far, um, so that could also be be hampering there um, with, with offenses. So really, I mean, it's it's the approach to to put the ball in play. Navasale Garcia has been doing that pretty well lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colton Wong's been doing that pretty well. Lorenzo Kane does that pretty well. Luis Urias has been uh, more aggressive at the plate and, and he's been putting the ball in play more. So. You know, that, that's really just going to be kind of the key. It's not trying to go for home runs every single time. It's just trying to put the ball in play and and make something happen. And, and that's got to be the approach for for the Brewers, hitter and Brewers hitters, and it's got to be the approach across baseball.
0: It's a baseball-wide thing, too. I, I think it's an astute point to make. It's not just the Brewers. Other hitters and offenses have struggled to, to just put together quality of bats, put the ball in play. So I think that's an important piece of perspective as well. David Gasper reviewing the brew. Do you think, as long as Keston here remains in the minors, um, for however length of time, let's say he's down there two months, like he's really struggling, uh, does this offense have a ceiling in your mind? As long as Vogelback or Billy McKinney is playing first, or, or can can this offense be as good as it needs to be even without Keston here? Is that something they can overcome?
1: I mean, that's it's really kind of uh, you know difficult to say because for some of these guys, you you really like, you know what they, like, have been in the past, um, but I really kind of think that Kesson Hira, he gives them the, the best chance to, to succeed. Having him at 100% where he's able to hit, like he did in 2019, having him in there, that that's what they need. I don't think Dan, Daniel Vogelbach is not going to uh, hit anywhere close to 300. Kesson Hira can. Um, it, he probably won't the season just based on how poorly he's gotten up to the start. But, you know, he doesn't have that, that kind of potential. He's got the power potential for sure. Vogelbach can hit 30 home runs, but um, he he doesn't really have the, the on base, the pure hitting ability that Kesson Hira has. And, you know, I I think they, they do need him. Uh, I've written before at the site that, you know, they, they do need him in this lineup and they need him going and and going well uh, because they, really are, are lacking um, big a, a big right-handed power bats um, in, in their lineup right now. Evisel Garcia is probably the most powerful right-handed hitter in, in this lineup. you got Shaw, you got Yelich, you got got um you got those guys that, that can hit homers from the left side. Um, but on the right side, he, it, the plan was Hira. Uh was supposed to have him. I mean, Tyrone Taylor has been showing some power, but he's not going to be a full-time player. Um, then your other guys like Lorenzo Cain—he's not going to hit for that much power. Manny Pena is not going to be for that much. Luis Urias doesn't have that much power. So you're you're really down to here and Avisil Garcia as your two power hitters from the right side. And you know Garcia—he's not going to hit that many. You yeah. know he he might be a, a 20 homer a season kind of guy, but that's that's probably his ceiling there. So. Uh, they really need Hira back to, to be the best that this offense can be.
0: I don't like the idea that Avi Garcia is your best right-handed power bat. And I, I like Avi Garcia, and I actually wanted to ask you about Avi and Jackie Bradley Jr. Is this what we're going to get from them all summer? Like one week, they're hotter than the surface of the sun, and then the next two weeks, they're ice cold. I, is that just the type of hitters that they are, or is that something that you envision kind of smoothening out over the course of the next couple of months?
1: Well, Jackie Bradley has really kind of been a streaky hitter over his entire career. Uh, a, lot, a lot of Red Sox fans have said that after he signed here. It's like, yeah, be prepared for, you know, some streakiness with him. Um, but he's also traditionally a slow starter, and his stats really don't look that great here to start the season. So um, Craig Council talked about it, and, and Bradley's probably going to end up being just fine. Um, I, I think he'll end up getting going, and he's going to have some streakiness to him. Uh, but, but he'll be much better than, than what we've seen so far. Garcia, um, you know, I don't think he's that streaky of a hitter. I, I think he, he's he been streaky so far this year, but over his career, not quite as much. So uh, for for Garcia, I, I think he's going to find a, a good balance and some consistency uh, here soon. And, and, you know, hopefully he can be consistently on the, on the really good side, the way that he's been hitting over the last week or so, uh, he's been really strong at the plate, so if they could get something like that relatively consistently from him, uh, the offense will be in a pretty good spot, even without uh, Yelich and Hira.
0: I think it's important to remember that like Jackie Bradley Jr. wasn't a like a career 280, 290 hitter. Like, that was kind of the more Colton Wong profile, so we do need to like, I, I should say, I need to cool my expectations a little bit with JBJ. Avi Garcia's been an interesting case so far. The last... A uh, player that I want to talk to you about. And I think this is something that you'll get a kick out of. I want to talk about Drew Rasmussen. And yesterday, I, I made the case that he might be, by the end of the season, one of the m- more important players on this roster. Because I think he could be what Corbin Burns was in 2018. Like, in 2018, they had Hater, Jeffers, Kniebel. And this year, they have FireEyes and Williams and Hater, And that trio has really picked up traction. Like, you're hearing that trio mentioned, the statistics brought up. Like, that that's become a thing on TV and radio That extra guy was Corbin Burns who could enter the game a little bit early. He could pitch on a day and eat innings if if one or two of that trio wasn't available. He could be your guy in extra innings so your pitching doesn't drop off should a game go to the 10th. What do you think of Drew Rasmussen and and how he's pitched so far and maybe what his role could look like as the season progresses?
1: I love Drew Rasmussen. I I really do. I think he's primed for, for a pretty big role. I mean, he's, He's a young guy. Um, relative, I mean, he's 25 years old. Didn't have much experience in the minor leagues. I mean, they drafted him uh, in 2018 when he was recovering from Tommy John. Spent the 2019 season ac- across three levels in the minors, getting up to to Double A. There, he didn't he didn't spend any time at Triple A. Uh, he was called up, made his big league debut last year, um, and now he's he's been in the in the bullpen all of this year. So he doesn't have any Triple uh, A experience there. So there's still some some growing pains with him, um, but I mean he's someone that he's his expected stats are far better than uh, his 4.91 ERA would would show. Yeah. So he's someone that I, I think could be really good going forward. I mean he was a first round talent um, not too long ago. The Brewers snagged him in the sixth round after he underwent Tommy John surgery. So he's someone I think could be a future closer. I'm not sure if they're going to try to put him in the starting rotation. He came up, he, he was a starter in 2019 in the minor leagues, but with having two previous Tommy John surgeries, I don't think he's going to be able to hold up to a starter's workload okay. over his career. So, you know, he's got the stuff he that, that can really play up there in the bullpen. Uh, he's got the big velocity that, that can play up in the bullpen in shorter shorter bursts. So I think he's someone that's got future closer potential all over him. Um, so it's it's really just kind of a matter of getting uh, that that big league experience. He's only got 30 innings in in the big league so far, so he's still got plenty of time to learn. Um, and yeah, he he's one of the one of the younger guys there, and, he, and he's still going to be finding his role. But yeah, going forward, I, I'm fully with you there, man. I, I think Rasmussen going to be a big piece of that bullpen.
0: Well, and Rasmussen shot through the minors. Uh, very similar to the way Corbin Burns did. And I I kept needing to remind everybody last summer, it's like, look, Corbin Burns is developing and and he's working through things because he made it through the minor leagues so quickly. Now, you never would have known it in 2018, right? Those growing pains didn't manifest until 2019. And then again, in in early 2020, and then he really started to turn the corner, right? Drew Rasmussen could maybe catch that wave as well this season where he could be used in big spots, catch hitters off guard, and then, you know, maybe the year after and the year after, hitters start to get a read on him, and then he's got to work through those things like Corbin Burns did. I-, I just think there's a lot of interesting parallels. Now, Burns and Rasmussen might not end up in the same role, but I think if you compare 2018 to this year, they could fill very similar roles. And I think he's been the extra innings guy, right? Like, that's a defined role that they need. I think Rasmussen fits it well, or at least he has so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's he's been a pretty— Pretty good uh, guy there for for leveraged situations, and when they've gone through their group of you know Fireison and uh, Williams and Hader, and mm-hmm. you know then they need a, another big arm there. Uh, Rasmussen's a, a great pick, and and if they ever need you know Fireison or Williams or, or Hader to have a day and and just kind of and they're down, then Rasmussen can can pick up one of those spots, and he can do it pretty well. So you know yeah, th- it's very important to. To remember that, that he um, can can fill in that role, he he doesn't have one of those defined you know seven eight nine roles right now, and he's just kind of filling in wherever needed. But yeah, he he's someone that, that could fill in that that same kind of same kind of role. It's just a a big high leverage arm that, that can be used whenever and, and wherever, and, and can give you a lockdown inning.
0: flexibility. Right, that takes the bullpen from really really good to. Seriously, next level, which was the case in 2018. David Gasper reviewing the brew. I appreciate you. Thanks for the time. And I know you will be enjoying Thursday as much as anyone. Enjoy Corbin Burns' return later this week as well, my friend.
1: I will. I will be glued to the TV (laughs) watching Corbin Burns' day.
0: Thanks, Gasper. Have a good one.
1: Yep, thanks, man. Take care.
0: Reviewing the brew. David Gasper on Twitter, at dgasper 24 You can find his work there. The last piece that he wrote, as I scroll... Let's see. What's the last thing he dropped? Gotta get at it, Gasper. Man, well, I'm gonna look for that over the break. Right now, it's all Corbin Burns stuff. (laughs) He's the conductor of the Corbin Burns hype train. uh, The self-proclaimed conductor. So he's ready for Thursday, as am I. It's just gonna be nice to get some of these guys healthy. Let's take a break. Continue our Brewers discussion. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. 10 years where we're just left thinking, like...
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is
2: on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: Uh, I am. Uh, I- I'm sorry. I- I'm sorry for how I began the show back at four o'clock. I suppose that could be considered rude, standoffish. I think I made it sound like I'm in a terrible mood today, which is not the case, but like someone could put me there real quickly. Not in a mood to mess around today. The Bucks, I think, pushed me over the edge last night. Watch the Brewers lose like 10 to nothing tonight. It's only gonna, (laughs) it's only gonna get worse. I also think I'm sleep deprived. I got to work today. Okay, short story to explain how my morning went. I'm driving to work. I'm late because I had to wait for a plumber, which is fine. But like I, nobody, no, you don't want to be in that situation. You want to get to work. You want to get on top of things. So I felt behind. I'm driving to work, and I was like, "Do I stop and get coffee? Oh, no, I'll just get some at work. I'm in a rush." And then I get here, and the coffee's gone. I flip over a table. So I don't know. I didn't have coffee today. Does that does that impact you that much? I don't know. The last time I didn't have coffee, but I never thought I was reliant on the stuff. I say all of that to say this: today's been a weird day. I'm not in a mood to mess around, okay? Which is why I've been so crabby about the Bucks. So just know that. If you're going to call or text in. <laughs> please, don't push me today. It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills. I appreciate you all listening, despite me being kind of a jerk so far today. 608-796-2558 is the Talkin' Text Line. Tweets, at Wisco Grant. I see you, Richie, on Twitter. We'll get to you in a sec first. Brett in lacrosse on the Talkin' Text Line. Brett, how are you today?
2: Good. Uh, I'm. I think I'm in a better mood than you are. But yes. listen. To be to be fair, you warned us all yesterday.
0: What did I say yesterday? You're gonna have to refresh my memory.
2: You, you said that you were just. Uh, you had so much energy. You were gonna get so much done, and <laughs> oh, that you were right. gonna regret it today. <laughs> and guess what?
0: That's very right. I you didn't were say correct. That. I
2: said exactly that. So let's let's hope that that's the only thing you're correct about, and not the Brewers losing by ten.
0: Oh, no, I can't. I think Freddy's due for. It. Freddie, last start, Freddie had so much bad luck, so I think he's due to, to have a better go around this time around. No, I'm. I'm a no just, hitter. I, yeah, I'm just saying, like, if the Brewers get no hit tonight, that's it. Like, look for me peering over the edge of the <laughs> Cass Street Bridge, just waiting for a barge to go underneath <laughs> that looks just tough enough to just end it all. Yes, that's where I. Yeah, looking.
2: but here, here's the thing. Your, your luck, you'd get stuck on, like, some random piece of string or something and just be hanging there,
0: <laughs> hanging by my foot. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm doing weird. okay. I don't mean to be dramatic, but it's just my personality.
2: Well, that's hey. Listen, it, it's all gonna be okay.
0: Thank you. It's gonna be fine. Thank
2: you. I uh I I talked to Bill Michaels today. How's and Bill? And we talked about uh you know he's I, old. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know how old he is, but he's older either. than all of you guys I talked to. <laughs> uh, I don't know the either. So, oh my God. Yeah, I, and I talked to Dan Patrick a little today. Oh man, I've been around the block today. Good it's for crazy. you.
0: You're grinding. What did you yeah. talk about with
2: Bill? Uh, we talked about the Packers. Okay. We talked about Rodgers. Uh, we talked about um, a tiki
0: bar. Oh, naturally, of course. Um,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then I just, I don't know, I just give him my opinion and, and tell him that I think we all just need to relax a little bit. It's all
0: going to be all right. I bet Bill appreciated that. That's a tiki bar type of attitude, and I bet Bill could get on board with that. Yeah.
2: Well, I told him because we're, we're purchasing a new house here uh, in uh, the, on the 27th. Congrats. And, and and hey, thanks. Uh, so we have a pool, and, and my wife said, if we buy this house, I can build a tiki bar. And I was like, ooh, a Bill Michaels has one of those. I better talk to him and get some plans
0: put together. Did he give you a laundry list of things you have to do? Because I bet he would. I didn't hear this part of the Bill Michaels show today, but now I'm kind of yeah. intrigued to go back and check it out.
2: Nope. No, that's it. We didn't do that. So, oh, okay. so he told me to message him, uh, and then he would help me with with anything I need because I said I'm gonna have the WKTY guys over mm-hmm. uh, for for a pool party this summer, <laughs> and we'll go we'll go live from the Tiki Bar.
0: This sounds fantastic. I've been working on right, my body. That's what I've been, I thought. I've been working out. So if we have if we're gonna have a pool party, I'm I'm gonna look good. And you know, Dave is just Dave shredded. Dave's a, Dave's a handsome, well built yeah. man. So I am up against. He's it insane. Here. He's insane. Do you have but, any um, any opinions on the Packers, the Brewers, or the Bucks that you wish to hit me with before I let you go, Brett? Now, this has been wonderful. Yeah. But yeah I, yes. Listen,
2: we're we're gonna we're gonna not worry about it. Uh, okay. We're gonna let things uh, play as they play. Um, Brewers are going to win another series here. Um, and uh, the Bucks are going to turn it around, and Rogers is going to sign a a new contract and work this all out, and we will be all good.
0: Yeah, that actually makes you feel a lot better, Brett. I needed this reassuring conversation today. This is just what I need. Yeah, you're Thank good. You. And you. listen, you're the one running the show, so people answer to you. You don't <laughs> have to answer to them. This is this is a collaborative effort, Brett. I appreciate the call. I would say we. I always say we. I don't say we about my sports teams. Like if somebody's like, hey, who, who do the Packers play this weekend? You will never catch me saying we play the Bears. I will never say we just won. Wow. What what an exciting game we just won. I can't believe we're 10-6. and six. I will never say that. But if you ask me about the show, Grant, what did you talk about tonight? I'll say we talked about blah, 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 blah. They'll be like, did you have someone on? No. This is a conversation. Even if I go two hours without taking any calls or any texts or any tweets, there's still people on the receiving end of this, and they're hearing that, they're interpreting that, right? It's a conversation, that's why I say we. Uh, a couple of texts, I'm glad that you guys are concerned about me. Duck and Holman says, if there's no coffee, I just grab a Bloody Mary with Spotted cow chaser. Uh, you know what? It's the damnedest thing. They typically have those in the break room at work, and they were out today too, just like the coffee. Otherwise, I would have done that. Thank you, Duck, for the text. This text just says, sounds like you need to watch the other guys tonight. As I scroll through this thread, it's just texts about the other guys. I appreciate you, whoever you are. Pretty soon, I'm just going to name you in the computer the other guy's guy, uh, which I, if I were you, that would be an honor. I would be a fan of that. Uh, Richie, I'm going to get to your tweet about the Brewers in a second because I think this caller on the horn right now, Darren, is going to want to talk about the Brewers. Binksy, uh, how are you? Welcome to the show.
3: Hey, buddy. You're, I'm good. How are you? How uh, uh... Uh, yeah, man. If you didn't have any coffee or anything today, you, didn't they at least give you some donuts from this morning?
0: Oh no, 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 no. The, see, the, the the morning show people—they have their fun in the morning. They got food and entertainment. It's it's a it's a fun house in a radio station from six to nine, six oh, to yeah. ten a.m. Well, and well, then when I get here, it's carnies there. Right? Yeah, it's it's cleaned out. It's gone. Carnival. Yeah, exactly. All
3: right. Hey. Okay. So you had a really good um, conversation going yesterday. I, I like what you were talking about. Um, you know, if it is, you know, you don't get to rain on my parade just because. Uh, you know, you were talking about Aaron Rodgers a little yep. bit, and how some Viking fans are getting on that. And then when the Brewers go to pot, the Cubs come on, and, and you you defend your you defend your your turf. Yes, if I can say that.
0: Absolutely. Okay,
3: and I like that. So I want to compliment you on that, and that it really made a lot of sense. Number two is when Gasper and you were talking last week about when the Brewers lose, people need to take a pill. Mm-hmm. I get it. And I think you're kind of talking to private banks. So um, I took a page out of that. and I said, you know, well, you're right. I can accept the loss because we agree, Grant, that you cannot win 162 ballgames. Yes. No way. Okay. So – but if you're playing good ball, you have fundamental baseball, which we we'll, we'll discuss that over some years sometime. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> that, that's 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 going to take up the whole show. Um, but when um, what I wanted to ask you ultimately is, uh, I heard the, the clips from uh, Vogelbach yesterday, and he's very humbling by saying, "I don't care how hard, I how far, or how hard, or what angle I hit it." At least it goes over the the fence. Who cares if it's 500 feet? Mm -hmm. So he's very humbling. And then, you know, it it was one run that won the ball game on Sunday. And you are not a fan of batting averages. So tell me, what (laughs) stats are important on the offense side to be productive for a baseball player? I'm so glad you asked me that. It is Okay, so such a... Huge, loaded question, I understand, but I'm looking for the
0: ultimate Grant Wisco answer. <laughs> Darren, I appreciate this question. I will answer it. I appreciate the call. I have a good one. What uh, What offensive stat is the best, the most important? Darren, whichever one helps me make my point, Which whichever statistic helps me illustrate the point I'm trying to make, that's the one that matters. I See, I always say batting average doesn't matter, and I'm joking, because... I say batting average doesn't matter when one of our guys has a bad batting average. Like, if Christian Yelich were to come back and play a month and he's hitting 220, I would say, well, do you still use batting average? What, do you live in a cave? Let me, let me go get you a candle. Do you need some whale's wax, you prehistoric caveman? But if Christian Yelich were to come back and hit three thirty, well, okay, it's batting average. It's the oldest stat in the book. How could, you not agree? How could you not go with batting average? It's all about perception. It's about framing, Binksy. Uh, I don't think, to to be serious and answer your question, I don't think there is one statistic. I think you need to look at it all. Batting average, expected batting average is a number that I think is a good reference point. Um, Naturally, I like to see how many walks guys are taking. I I really like, and I don't know if this is a statistic that you can find anywhere. It's certainly not on your run-of-the-mill box scores if you're going to go to ESPN.com or MLB.com or Brewers.com. A number that intrigues me is how, how many pitches are you seeing? If you go up and have a three-pitch at bat and you strike out, that, that's that's terrible. If you go up and you see nine pitches and you strike out, oh, okay, well, I'm, we should be able to distinct those two. Distinct? I don't think that's a verb. You should be able to make a distinction between those two. So, like, well, one guy struck out, had no clue what he was doing. The other guy struck out, oh, just on a great split finger, went down in the dirt. It was a great pitch, and he saw eight or nine pitches before he struck out. Those are two very different at-bats. So I don't know if this is a statistic, uh, a stat that people reference or it's one that you can find, but I think number of pitches seen per at-bat or in a game, I I think that's an interesting number, even if it's more anecdotal when you're watching, something you pay attention to. How many pitches are you seeing in any given at-bat? I think that's important. Um, OBS, you know, on-base percentage, on-base plus slugging, of course, all of that. My correct answer and the smart answer would probably be all of them in conjunction with watching the games to get, you know, the the fullest picture possible, if that makes sense. Richie, finally, your tweet. I'm sorry, at Wisco Grant. Richie tweets, Shaw would be the best fit at first if they could get an everyday guy at third. Pablo's defense is probably only second to Wong in the infield, which is why he gets on the field. He also has good speed if he gets on base. It's a very good point. If you're going to have a subpar hitter at any point in the infield, you'd at least rather have them be fast and you'd rather have them be a good defender. And that is Pablo Reyes. I... I mean, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. When you say that Travis Shaw would be great at first, as long as you could find a third baseman. Well, yeah, Travis Shaw would also be great at third if you could find a first baseman. But they can't find a corner infielder to save their life that they want to stick with, right? So we, we, you know, we can discuss this all day. Are you going to invest or not? Right? To quote, I know that's not the other guys. That's Step Brothers, but you know what's done is done. You know this roster is constructed. I, I don't, I don't know if if they feel more in flux about first or third. Tonight's lineup would tell me they don't. They don't really know either. It's hard to go wrong with Travis Shaw. Either spot, he's a bat you need to keep in the lineup. It's, it's everybody else. Eric and LeCrescent texted in and said, trying Travis Shaw at first base so Keston can potentially play third base in the future. Eric, I love your creativity and your willingness to think outside the box. But if that is the Brewers' plan, then I do have a date with the top rail of the Castry Bridge tonight because if they try to bring Keston back from the minors and move him again, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm I'm not about it anymore. That's it. I'm going to go ponder the meaning of of life and death. Appreciate the tweets at Wisco Grant. The texts 608-796-2558. While we're talking about Brewers, I might as well give you the rundown one more time. The lineup tonight. I think the biggest sticking point is that Pablo Reyes is playing third, as we just discussed, and Vogelback and Billy McKinney are both absent. So you have Wong, Kane, Taylor. That's Tyrone Taylor. Shaw, Urias Pena, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Pablo Reyes at third, Freddie Peralta's pitching. I, the one thing that got swept under the rug last week, and maybe, maybe this is my fault for not mentioning it as often as I should have, they were without Yelich, yes. They were without Kane for a long period of time. They were without, who else were they missing? Keston here has basically been absent all season, right? They're without all these guys. Corbin Burns got injured. Brett Anderson gets injured. They're without all these guys. We just kind of gloss over the fact that they're without not one, but both catchers, which is impactful in a lot of reasons. Number one, because Omar Narvaez has been one of your most consistent hitters. Manny Pena is a terrific defender and can be a tough hitter as well. The fact that the Brewers weathered the storm for the last week and a half, albeit with the six-game losing streak, the way that they went through that with Jacob Nottingham and Luke Mailey, uh I-, I think that deserves... I think that deserves a little bit of a tip of the cap. I, I think that got lost in the shuffle. We were too busy talking about the pitching injuries and the injuries all over the outfield. And we're like, you know what? They're without their number one and number two catcher. That's a really big deal. And I don't know if we talked about that enough. I don't think we talked about that at all. It just kind of was, was swept under the rug. Omar Narvaez has been really good. That's a bat that I can't wait to get back into this this lineup. Are you kidding me? I remember before he got hurt, I was seeing shades of Yasmani Grandal. He's not as good of an offensive player as Gondral, but we're, we're talking about the approach, right? He'll go up there, he'll see pitches, he'll put together good at bats, and he'll take walks if he can't get on base via a hit, if he can't square a ball up. That was Grandal. And I'm not saying Manny Pena doesn't do that. Manny Pena is a fine hitter. I think he's a tough hitter. He's a guy. It's got a little bit of Orlando RC in him, where he he will come up with those big hits when you expect at least, and he's a tough out at least most of the time. I think for a second catcher, you could do a lot worse offensively. And I think last week we just—we kind of glazed over the fact that they were without both of their catchers. It's like imagine in football if you had none of your running backs or none of your wide receivers, you were without all of your interior linemen. Like that—that's a big deal. In basketball, if you're without all of your point guards. That's a big deal. They just had an entire position group go down. And I know they lost six games in a row, but it's not like they were getting run off the field. Those were all close games. Without both catchers. Did an okay job. Duck also texts in and says, give Ryan Braun a call. Yeah, injury-prone outfielders with lower back tightness. uh, I'm going to pass for now. I'll honestly take my chances with Tyrone Taylor. I like the guy. I'm a fan. I'm a I, I don't feel hopeless when he is at the plate. He might make outs more often than he gets hits, Um, and he's not as good of an offensive player as Yelich or Kane or Avi Garcia, but I don't feel completely hopeless. And now that I say that out loud multiple times, that's the opposite of a ringing endorsement, but it's true. I don't feel hopeless when he's at the plate, and that couldn't be said for Keston Hira or Avi Garcia when he's slumping or some of these other hitters, so I think it's worth mentioning. I don't feel hopeless when Tyrone Taylor's at the plate. He could put a charge in one at any moment. Let's take a break. I want to transition over to football. I want to talk more about what Devontae Adams had to say yesterday because I think we glossed over an important point, and that's, that's my bad, and I will atone for that mistake coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show.